Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome to this week's Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. You've probably heard the announcement that this year's Physics Nobel Prize went to Serge Harosh and David Weinland. For groundbreaking experimental methods that enable measuring and manipulation of individual quantum systems. Awesome. What in the world does that mean? It means these two physicists, along with their research teams, of course, have let scientists play with the weird world of quantum mechanics in ways once thought impossible. It's cool from a purely scientific angle, but also could lead to some really neat technology. To really get a handle on what's going on, it helps to go back to the fundamentals of what quantum mechanics are. In the regular classical world that you and I inhabit, I can pretty definitively say that this ball is right here on the floor. I know because I looked at it, or measured it. And I can say also pretty definitively that before I looked at it, it was still sitting right there on the floor. However, when you start to shrink down to scales smaller than an atom, the universe starts behaving very differently than what we're used to. In the weird world of quantum mechanics, the act of measuring a particle can change its nature in a very profound way. If it's in such a quantum state and I measure where it's located, I cannot definitively say that that particle is at the same position the instant before I measured it. Instead, it was in what is called a superposition of several places. It's not just that I didn't know where it was, it was, in a way, at all places at once. More precisely, it existed as what scientists call a wave function, describing its probability of being at a specific point at a specific time. When I measured the particle, its wave function collapsed and it resolved itself into a single definitive point. Most people know this as the Schrodinger's cat paradox. It sounds strange, but there have been all kinds of seemingly inexplicable experiments that show this happening, except usually without the cat. This applies to all kinds of aspects of a quantum particle, its speed, its energy level, everything. What's more, if there are two particles with wave functions that overlap in some way, they can become entangled, meaning that the two particles still exert an instantaneous influence on each other, even when separated by great distances. This entangled state is extremely fragile. The slightest disruption can cause its wave function to collapse, and the entanglement is lost. This is all predicted in the first half of the 20th century, so Weinlin and Hiroshi did not discover any new property of the universe. Instead, they mastered it. Well, they started to, at least. Hiroshi built a small chamber, a little bit bigger than a walnut, and coated the inside with a perfectly reflecting mirror. Inside, he let a single photon bounce around and enter into a quantum state. He then shot an atom through the chamber to try to interact with the ricocheting photon. After each atom left the chamber, Harosh measured it and compared it to what it was like when it entered. If it changed, then it had interacted with the bouncing photon, but in a way that left the photon intact. On the surface, this might not seem too difficult. But here's the thing. When you see a photon, you usually have to destroy it. Harosh detected it without destroying it, by entangling it with the atom. He was even able to refine the technique so that he could watch the evolving and collapsing quantum state of the photon over time. It's a pretty cool trick, basically the first time anyone had been able to entangle individual particles together in a controlled way. Wineland, in a way, did the reverse. He trapped atoms and shot photons at them. The photons put the atoms in a quantum state of being at two different energy states simultaneously. Now, Wineland has taken these atomic traps and photon laser pulses and started building things with them. He specializes in designing the next generation of atomic clocks. His atomic traps are the perfect devices to hold the atoms that are the clock's essential timekeepers. When hit with a specially tuned laser, these trapped atoms emit light at a very precise frequency, a frequency which scientists use like the ticks of a clock. Right now, the master atomic clock, which all other clocks in the world are set against, is pretty good. It runs on what's called the cesium standard and accurate to about one part in a quadrillion. 
the experiments that Wineland has been building are about 100 times better. If you started running one of his at the beginning of time, almost 14 billion years ago, it would only be off by about five seconds today. Tantalizingly, Wineland has also used his atomic traps to build a rudimentary quantum computer. Quantum computing holds the promise to be the next great revolution in data processing. The idea is basically this. Let's say you had a math problem, say 2x equals 10, and you wanted to solve for x. One way to do that is to start plugging in numbers for x and keep going until you got 10. You start with 0 and move up until you get the right answer. It takes a little bit of time to go through all of them. If you want to save a bit of time, you could plug the equation into a computer and have it run the same program. It'll start substituting different binary bit combinations that represent numbers until it gets an answer that works. Remember, when a computer processes a number, it is actually processing a series of bits, tiny on and off switches symbolized as ones and zeros, which in turn represent a number. Zero is zero, 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 zero. One is zero, 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 one. Two is zero, zero, one, zero and so on. In a quantum computer, these bits can be entangled with each other, meaning they're both 1 and 0 at the same time. So what happens is, in one single process, all of the different binary number combinations are tried, including the correct one, as well as all the incorrect solutions. At the end, it's just a simple matter of identifying the right one. These special quantum bits are called qubits. The computer's processing power increases exponentially with each additional qubit. In our example, with four qubits, a computer can process 16 different numbers simultaneously. With five, it can do 32. With 10, it can do 1,024. And with, say, 300 qubits, a computer can simultaneously process about two novemvigintillion numbers at once. That's a two followed by 90 zeros. I didn't even know that number had a name. Clearly, these quantum computers have the promise to be powerful tools. The plans and algorithms have all been devised, but the physical technology to build one is still many years away. It's extremely difficult to keep these delicate qubits entangled for any meaningful length of time. But it is getting closer. In 1995, Wineland used his atomic traps to build the most basic component of a processor, a simple type of logic gate. Today, researchers the world over are pressing ahead, looking for better, longer-lasting qubits, entangling as many of them as they can, and even processing a few very basic algorithms. These are all important first steps which Weinlin and Hirosh made possible. That's all for this week's Physics Buzz podcast. To find more of our podcasts, our Buzz blog, resources, and so much more, log on to www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>